Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today we're going to talk about a couple of things that we've both seen. One is I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Charlie Kaufman, which was on Netflix. Right. Another is a film called The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. And probably just Trump and the Military. What do you say? Yeah, after those two movies, Trump and the Military will be kind of like a little... Um, It'll be an amuse-bouche. Amuse amuse uh -huh. <laughs> I'm so interested to hear what you have to say about I'm Thinking of Ending Things. What was your impression? Well, I, I was looking for a thriller. And oh. that's sort of how it was pitched to me from the little blurbs that I found on the internet before I watched it. So I, I had an expectation of something horrible happening. And in a way it did, but, but in a very different way than I yeah. had expected. I liked it a lot, but I'll tell you this, right when it ended, I didn't like it a lot. I felt like it had been too much like a book. And I guess it is based on a book. Yes. And, you know, it challenged my expectations of what a movie plot should be like. Definitely. You know, and it goes so far into fantasy and mixed fantasy of different people and all of that. But you know what? After I sat with it for a while, like by the next day, I was really liking it. It kind of stayed with me. And it was like having a dream. They, they were having all these dream images. It was like I, when, I, when the movie was over, I felt like I'd had kind of a, a not so great dream. But as it stayed with me, I started to really like the way images and ideas and scenery and characters yeah. were fluid. It was very dreamlike. I hadn't thought of that. What I noticed was that, well, a little background on Charlie Kaufman, mm -hmm. who wrote one of my favorite movies, The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I don't oh. know if you you saw that with Jim no. Carrey and Kate Winslet. Oh no, I should watch that. Oh, I think you'd love it if you like this. I think yeah. you'd love it. He didn't direct it, but he wrote a story about a man who is tormented by the memories of his relationship. So uh, he goes to a service that will erase all the memories of that relationship. Oh, I definitely should watch that. I'm not going to say anything more because it's yeah. so, I don't know. It is very dreamlike, not like this one. Oh, um, Charlie Kaufman also wrote Being John Malkovich. Right, and I've seen that. It, I liked that a lot. I loved it. I just love the ideas in it. Mm -hmm. That people go through this chamber and they end up in the Jersey Shore. Is that right? What they end right. Up? Yeah. And you do. You have to surrender your attachment to logical plot line when yes. you watch one of his movies. That's you right. Just go, okay, I'm going on this ride and it's different from rides I'm used to. I had heard a lot about this movie. What I knew was that it was talky. What I felt overall was that it was a film about ideas more than characters and mm. certainly more than plot because mm -hmm. the plot was kind of non-existent. Right. When two people get into a car, they get out of the car, they have certain experiences, they get into the car. Yeah, and I think they purposely do kind of manipulate you. Not, I don't mean that negatively, but they manipulate you into thinking something bad's going to happen at this house. You know, there's ominous yes. signs with the weather gets snowy and blizzardy, and it's like something horrible is going to happen. Well, you can't say too much, but I thought it was really a movie that showed what people's minds are like. You know, like if I'm having dinner at someone's house, and something reminds me of something else and I might go off on a mental tangent 
inwardly that reminds me of something that happened to me 50 years ago or that makes me really mad and I would say something, but I'm not going to. And so I felt like we were seeing into their heads in an interesting way. I wasn't way. sure that she was a real person. Which she? The, the girlfriend? Jessie Buckley. Right. And Jessie Buckley, you might remember, she played the young wife in Chernobyl. She was so oh, good in that. Oh, right. She's Irish. I'm just very interested in her as an actress because she's so real. Yeah. And so good at being really present. Yes. And without artifice, it feels like. Definitely. But I wasn't sure, going through the film again in my mind, whether she was someone who was real or someone that had been made up by this man who was going to be revealed as the janitor, that they might be one and the same person. And That's fact, what I kept thinking. I kept thinking that he was the janitor. He, he became a janitor later in life. But I don't know, because then at the end, he's someone else entirely. And I'm tiptoeing, because I don't want him wreck it for anyone listening right. but there's a great ending for anyone who likes musical theater yeah. it's a great ending yeah that was a great ending when we're not recording mm -hmm. i want to talk to you about specific things because i don't want to spoil anything right but it. overall i really liked it i would recommend it but it would be good to just go into it knowing that you're going to be pushed past your comfort level in terms of Definitely. what a normal expectation of a film is supposed to be you know yes it tested me on a couple mm -hmm. of points when they were in the car and talking. Mm -hmm. There was a part of me that was just sort of like Lily Tomlin, like, will you quit talking about yes. that today? But in a way, that's, I think that's why I did like it, is that I just kept focusing in on the dialogue that was happening in the moment and the weird little turns that they would have little flashes where their mood would change on a dime, yeah. you know, yeah. they're having a nice conversation and suddenly something really vicious slips out and, yeah. and then it goes back to normal. And I thought it was a lot like an interior yeah. movie of the interior life of a person. It really felt like that. It felt like we were watching Jesse Plemons taking a walk through his psyche. Yeah, I felt similar. I thought we were seeing a few people's psyches. I wasn't sure who's, who's we were looking at. But right. I, if I watch it again, it might become clearer. Exactly. There was, there was so much going on. There was so much happening. I mean, every scene had so much packed into it. And weird stuff that doesn't get it. That's, I think that's why it does tax your, your expectation of what a film does, because things happen <laughs> and they don't get explained. They no. just happen and then it's on to exactly. the next thing. Like a weird thing will happen. Like the dog. Like the, dog. the dog. Or when they get to the parents' house for this holiday dinner and parents are upstairs for like half an hour. And I know. And you think, well, there's something's going to be explained of why this is happening, but it's never explained. What was so interesting, the nuances at the beginning, which I feel like we can talk about because they're so early mm -hmm. on, is her saying, well, I grew up in a farmhouse. And oh, then she right. says, but the apartment where I grew up didn't have dogs. I mean, right. just contradiction after contradiction. Yeah. And no real sort of terra firma there. I yeah. think it's a fun movie. I wouldn't mind watching it again. Now that I'm over the shock value of what a strange movie it is, I can yes. get into maybe some of the more subtle aspects. It's definitely, definitely worth watching. You can't deny the acting's amazing. They're all excellent. I love the two leads so much. I mean, yeah. I love Jesse Buckley, but I love Jesse Plemons. He's so good. Oh, he's been so good in everything I've seen him in. And he is in Breaking Bad. He right. plays that demented, heartless... He's in it. You'll recognize him when you see him again. He's okay. in the fourth or fifth season. He's, oh, okay. I haven't gotten there yet. Later. That's how I felt about Tony Collette. Once she came on, oh, oh. I didn't care what else happened because every oh, time really? she's on screen, I just yeah. love her. She's amazing. I think, she, 
I think she's so brilliant. You know, she's a little bit underrated. She doesn't get the recognition of, say, a Meryl Streep or someone like that. But the yeah. range of the characters she's done and the commitment and the full immersion in character that she does yeah. is certainly as good as someone like that. I agree with you. Did you ever see the United States of Tara, her series, where she played a woman with multiple personality disorder? Oh, yeah. And no, if I you loved that. her in other things, you would love that. She's so great in it. And she plays men she plays women she she's plays children great. she plays adults oh and that sounds fun one of my favorite works of hers she's a chameleon yeah anyway, yeah on to lighter fair the lighthouse oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I watched it yesterday and I'm still kind of processing it. But, it's very um, intense. It is intense. It's. Did you know it was based on a real story? No. In 1801, these two men were really stranded together and because of the storm situation, they couldn't get away. And they, I think they starved. I'm not sure if they starved to death, but they were oh, really wow. starving. Wow. They couldn't get any supplies. Yeah. So there they were with each other in this tiny lighthouse. Yeah. And well, I liked it. It reminded me of Waiting for Godot. It's like these two guys in this existential crisis. mess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And with their personalities and their demons and the weather and the harshness of the, the life there and everything. And boy. And the thing that really got me twisted about it was how domineering the Willem Dafoe character was and how it grated against the Robert Pattinson character. And I, I have to confess, I am such a Robert Pattinson fan. I think he's probably an untrained actor, mm. but something about him is just so magical on camera. Yep. I don't know what else he's done. He did all the Twilight movies for which oh, you know, everybody really? was tarred. And oh, okay. Better. But he also has done a lot of independent films. Okay. And he became so rich and so well-known off the Twilight movies that he only has to do projects that he wants to do now. Having said that, he's going to be the next Batman whenever filming. Oh, perfect. Interview. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think he's a tremendous actor. He's very good. I liked it. It's disturbing. What can you say? It's really but it's... I think it's well done, you know, and you're watching this dysfunctional relationship go through its different stages and the whole range of emotions. And then there's dream elements in this one, too, just like yeah. the other. But didn't you find it fascinating the way that it was filmed in this sort of square? Yes, um, the square frame. And black and white. In and that black frame. and white and very dark. Oh, it was so dark. It was Stygian, as they say, and very atmospheric. Well, what do you think? Are, are we two thumbs up? I'm not sure. I'm sort of like... Oh, on Lighthouse? Yeah. I, I, would, I would say I have... I think it's a very interesting film. Really mm -hmm. well done. Really well acted. But very strange and is trying. I think it's a thumbs up for William Defoe's Tour de Force performance. Just to watch him is really enjoyable, especially when he has his more explosive moments. And yeah. they're really over the top, but they're very believable. So I would give it a thumbs up on that alone. Should we go on to some lighter fare? Sure. Trump. <laughs> As of us recording, there was this big dust up on Friday over an article that was published in the oh, Atlantic right. mm -hmm. over his very poor treatment or his, how his, do you say it? His unbelievably crass and hate-filled speech about people who've served in the military. Yes. I guess by the time anybody hears this, they will have heard that he called people who had lost their lives losers and suckers and yeah. didn't know what was in it for them. Yeah. And the reason I bring it up is I don't know 
we've gone through this before. There was right. that Access Hollywood mm -hmm. tape where we all thought that that was the end of Trump. Right. And it's so hard to say because right. nothing seems to stick. Right. This might stick right. because it's about the military. Yeah, it's like becoming outraged is almost spying into the whole thing, like this right. roller coaster. Right, can never, you believe it? Yeah, and then on to the that. next thing. So I'm kind of sick of that. But I think it has some more staying power than some of the other embarrassments that he's gone through. And I, did I think read, so too, but why? Oh, go ahead. I did read too that the editor of The uh, Atlantic said they're not done yet. They have more stuff to pull out. That's just the beginning is what I heard. But, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I decided to watch the so-called press conference that he gave today, Trump. Oh, and how was that? I and, haven't heard anything about it. Well, the first question, the reporter has a mask on. And yes, his voice was a little muffled from the mask. And Trump ordered him to take off the mask. And he wouldn't do it. The, the reporter wouldn't do it. Good and Trump him. said, how far are you away from me? Take it off. You don't need it. You know, you're several feet away from me. And he said, well, I'll keep it on and I'll speak louder. How's that? And Trump backed down. I was surprised. And he took the question. So the question was on this. You know, what does he say to the people who are outraged by what he is reported to have said? And is it true? And things in his history of things, saying things about John McCain. He went into a riff on John McCain. And uh -huh. he went on how John McCain likes wars and I don't like wars. And that's why I didn't like John McCain. And John McCain knew it and I knew it. And then he goes on and he says, but he had a really good funeral and we helped make that happen. You know, we, we sent Air Force One to bring his casket to Washington. And he just did this weird riff on John McCain. Oh, that's bizarre. It was so bizarre. And I don't think many people watched it. I think it was probably broadcast on Fox. And oh, and then he denigrated Joe Biden and he, he turned it into a campaign speech, which you're not supposed to do from the White House. Although I guess as president, you're allowed to cheat on that. So this it's, one question, there were no more it questions. It turned into just a weird riff. And it's like, he gets so consumed with the people that he obviously fears, like Obama and McCain. And, and he, hates. He, he's obsessed. Well, yeah, he hates them. I think he hates them because he recognizes that they're better than him. And he can't take that. Also, but, that people have a fealty to John McCain and a fealty right. to Obama that right. he doesn't engender in people. Right. People don't and they didn't love have him. To buy, they didn't have to buy their admirers' admiration. You know? Right. It they was, didn't have to pay $50 they it the old-fashioned way. Exactly. It's interesting. I, I'm just having fun kind of watching and seeing if maybe this sticks a little bit. But like you said, nothing has stuck so far. So I think this is just the way it's going to be for only 56 more days. Only 56 more days. You know, my concern is that what he does is take whatever mess has become radioactive and create another mess. So that's, the uh, that's what he did with law and order versus the mm -hmm. whole COVID thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering what new train wreck is going to come out of this. Right. Well, yeah, October is going to be interesting because they're going to do something. They're going to do something weird and big in well, the I October surprise department. The, well, we know a couple of things. He's hoping that there will be a vaccine. That's one thing. He's oh, hoping right. that the report will come out from William Barr about the oh yeah state. the Durham report the yeah. Durham report so he's hoping for that yeah. and we can't even fathom right. what Donald Trump is capable of creating I wish the Biden people would say this is something I heard in the 12-step world about alcoholics it's kind of mean but it's how do you know if an alcoholic is lying it's when their the lips are moving, are moving. <laughs> yeah and I don't mean that in a uh, mean way toward anyone with alcoholism, but it's really true about Trump. 
you only know he's lying when his lips are moving. Well, there's another thing that I wish that Biden would say, which is very simple. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? I mean, it's pretty stark. Yeah. I was listening to some people talk about Trump and why they're voting for him. And, you know, a lot of people don't like his behavior, but they want his abortion policies and his right. judges. And they will look past all of the rest of that. Even if he trashes evangelicals, I think that's some stuff that's going to be coming out in the next round. I think there's conversations of him trashing evangelicals is really stupid. Oh, where, where I, I just, that? I saw something, I don't know, it goes by fast, but I saw something. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe that's what The Atlantic has coming out later, but it won't, it won't change anything. No, he, it won't. That, that's my point. He can say that they're stupid, doesn't matter, as long right. as they feel that he's advancing the apocalypse in a a responsible way. I have a confession to make. Uh I bought Michael Cohen's book. Oh, I I don't think that's so bad. (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm giving money to the other side, but he did talk. I mean, he is telling tales on his old boss and I want to read those tales. I want to know all the dirty little things that went on. My concern with that book is that he can't tell much because the Russians will kill him if he does. So my thought was he's probably got his hands tied on what he can reveal if he wants to stay alive. Huh. Should we just dip into Melania's dear friend? Oh, yeah. One interesting thing that I have heard is that Trump was very invested in having her be accepted by society. He didn't want Melania to be seen as some little trollop that he was getting as a trophy wife. Here she was, a model. She had no other experience. And she was coming from Slovenia. And he wanted her to be accepted. Did you hear Bette Midler talking about the dinner? Oh, yeah. For, for Andre, a designer? Or yes. Andre Leon Talley. It was his birthday, right? Right. And Bette Midler and her husband, <laughs> Martin. And her husband show up. And it's just Melania it's just and Trump. And this guy. What a nightmare. The birthday boy. Yeah. And she's going, aren't more people coming? <laughs> Didn't and I don't Midler remember what have she a theory said about that. what had happened that Trump knew that Bet would come if this designer came, but I can't remember what the what the overall plot of the whole. Oh no 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 no! Was. It must have been the designer would come if Bet came, right? Right. That must right. have been it. Okay. Yeah. So the designer, I believe he was the editor at large at Vogue. Oh. Okay. Oh, that's right. He wanted so to get he, her picture on Vogue. Somehow he wanted Anna Wintour to be persuaded by this editor right that melania was worth getting on the cover and i don't remember i can't believe that she ever was on the cover but i don't do you know remember? i don't know i haven't read vogue in a while <laughs> <laughs> my like, subscription lapsed, like ever so. <laughs> yeah no. once your subscription lapses that's the end of you in vogue Anyway, that was a really crazy story. And when she said, oh, I was in his home, the way she said, Bette Midler said that was just so luscious. Yeah, yeah. I crossed the border from East Germany to West Germany. Right. We should say this is on the New York Radio Hour that was on this week. There's that interview with her and Paul Rudnick. Paul Rudnick. And just to digress for a moment, it's for a program called Coastal Elites, which I just inferred was a series of monologues that Paul Rudnick had written that had quite the cast of characters. I can't remember anybody besides Bet, but Bet, I call her Bet because I used to work for her. But... You know who's in it? The Levy, the son from oh, Shit's oh, Creek. Oh, 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 Daniel Levy. He's oh, yes. In it. And I, I, I looked at the cast. 
it's a great one cast. That's coming to mind right now. Oh, Sarah Paulson's in it. Oh yes, boy. The the rest of the cast is just completely leaving my mind. Yeah. But it, it's a great interview with Bet right. and with Paul Rudnick, right. and just hearing her spin this tale about the dinner with Donald Trump is is worth the price of admission. Yeah, she's a good storyteller. She is a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. No, that's what always made her concert so great. She would always have a story or two to tell. Yeah, she was great. So I guess we have to say goodbye to our boomers. We do. Goodbye, boomers. We will find you again in a week. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, boomers. I want to thank you.